in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. These brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Dustin Melbarnes, Lizzie Haynes, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable, where we watch movies and then talk about them. I'm your host, Dustin Melbardis, and joining me today is my good friend and co-host, Brian Fry. How are you, man? Good evening, folks. I'm doing great. We are thick in our fantasy seasons. How are you doing with your football and basketball? Uh, basketball is going to be a draft tonight. Uh, football, I am, I'm going to call it better than average. I have already, I think we're week four or five, I've already renamed my team to the infirmary because of how many injured players I have. Uh, it happens Dude, every, every year. Everybody. I, no, I feel like this year, I'm not sure if anybody's untouched by this year. Hmm. This year's been brutal. Uh, but we're not alone tonight for the show. We've got our friend. Uh, this is his third time on the show, so he's welcoming him back, coming to you from San Marquilon 5, Texas. It is special guest... Jake Pierce, say hello. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Jake, I know you watch sports when it's on, like, you know, out and about, but yeah. do, do you even have a rooting interest? I've never even asked you. I've been getting more and more into football recently. Um, Around I'm here, excited. it's all Cowboys. I'm not a big Cowboys fan. Uh, I don't really have a team, but I'm excited for the Spurs this year, too. When Banyama. Yeah. I heard his preseason game went really, really well. Uh, we were worried that he'd have that Chet Holmgren too skinny, uh, unable to do the things that uh, he was sort of projected to do, but he's been looking sick. So. Yeah, there's a lot of hype. It, it's funny you all bring that up because I was kind of fantasizing at one point about drafting Wimignana and Chet and then maybe like <laughs> Collins and just calling it matchstick men. The matchstick <laughs> men, yeah. The two talls, yeah, the tall trees. That'd like, be pretty good. Like if I could get Durant in there too, like just just a bunch of guys that look like, you know, a hard shove would break all their bones. <laughs> Definitely playing the injury risk there. Uh, people breaking down because of their thin limbs. Uh, well, this is not a fantasy podcast. This is not a sports podcast, a movie podcast. And we're going to start with a couple of warm up questions. Jake, this is for you. Who's an actor who, when they transformed their acting career, really took you by surprise? The easy answer for me is Matthew McConaughey, you know, going from kind answer. of the uh, the shirtless romantic interest in rom-coms to Russ Cole from, uh, <laughs> right, like, that's that's an incredible, I mean, all the stuff he's been in recently has been really good, right? Dallas Buyers Club, what else am I thinking of? All those great Lincoln commercials. The too. Lincoln commercials, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, that's he's, why I drive a Lincoln. Well, and we are in Texas here, so it is... There's almost a church of McConaughey. People really hang on his words the same way that they hung on to Bush's words. Uh, he's kind of a hero here. What about you, Brian? Uh, who's an actor that transformed their acting career and took you by surprise? No bullshit. Crime. I had Matthew McConaughey as mine, too. <laughs> hey. uh, no, I, no, truly, uh, he's not wrong. Uh, it's one of those guys that I rolled my eyes at a lot. Like 
everything I ever saw him in was a date movie with my wife. And I was just like, yeah. this guy and true detective season one walked into my life. And I was like, this guy's got some chops. What? Yeah. What? And I, I've been, I've basically been, you know, worshiping at the cross of Matthew McConaughey since then, because <laughs> I'm like, dude, if this guy's in a movie that isn't, you know, stapled as such, I, it was a movie he did. I think it was called Mud or something. I mean, it was like yeah. graphic. Yeah. It was gritty. And I was like, this dude's just throwing haymakers right now. I love it. Well, I love the performances. I, I don't love some of the social aspect. I think he was in an interview where he said that they, they asked who his role model was. And he said, well, my role model is me 10 years from now. I'm just like, get out of here with that. Shit. <laughs> I, that's not really my thing. Um, it, 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 it's always best if you don't listen to them talk. Yeah. Like just watch, watch their performances. Don't it, it's a Tom Cruise thing. Like you can't, I learned this from Tom Cruise. Don't listen to the real them ever. <laughs> right, just right. watch, just watch what they're doing on film and be like, man, I love your acting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot easier for us just to focus yes. on the product. Uh, for me, and this, I don't know of any off-the-field issues with him, but uh, it's Steve Carell. And I thought it would, the easiest choices would be comedians who then go on to do uh, dramatic roles. But I would say that some of Steve Carell's darker, more hard-hitting, um, painful movies, I think of Dan in real life first, um, or I think of things where he's not slapsticky. It's not like he was ever fully slapsticky, but uh, Steve Carell. The Morning Show. The you watch The Morning Show? show? Uh, that's with uh, Aniston and, is it yeah. Boom? Uh, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, it's fantastic. He's yeah. fantastic. Well, and I didn't see the movie. That, this was a what, something that was on my list that I missed. Was uh, doesn't he play a wrestling coach in one Fox of those? Catcher. Oh, okay. uh, Foxcatcher. Dupont. He's he's not playing the wrestling coach. He's like it's a you know one of the Dupont field. billionaires. No, it's wrestling. Oh, okay. oh it he's is. He's not a wrestling coach per se. He's just like interested in the sport. Hmm. And it's two famous brother wrestlers from the United States. I haven't seen the movie though. Yeah, I've heard a lot about. It. I I haven't either. I actually thought it was about track. Yeah, it's, it's it's something that now that we know that he's got that range, it's kind of cool to lean into that. I think. Uh, all right, so second question here, Jake. What's the last movie you saw? Ooh, Redline. It's a anime racing movie. I think um, Speed Runner. Speed Racer. Speed Racer, yes, but yeah. modernized. And it's just a movie. It's fun. Okay, fun movie. We like Very that. Very campy, lots of action. I actually may be watching an anime sometime soon. I think it's called, and I don't normally aim towards animes, but we've got something coming out called uh, The First Slam Dunk. Have you heard about this? The uh-huh. yeah, anime movie. But it, it's it's something where I don't think I've seen anime sports ever, so I, I'm hoping that it's... Oh. Uh, anime does sports well. But I, I wouldn't know, so I'm diving in. Kind of over-exaggerates stuff, makes it cooler. Huh? Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, what's the last movie you saw, Brian? Yeah, I, I did a big uh, European vacation, so I had several flights and consumed ah. several movies uh, over the course of all of it. Uh, but I watched the new Indiana Jones movie. What'd you think? And well, I was trying to read better, how he said it. Yeah, it's better than Crystal Skull. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So ninety-nine uh, percent of movies. It's off the uh, ground. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, the the best movie Fuck. watching experience I ever had on a plane was Moneyball. Ooh, 
That's just, yeah. Yeah. You know, I've got a, th- oh, that's a good question. Best movie Airplane I got to movie? watch on a plane. Gosh. Let's, uh, let's right, bank that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, you'll have to table that. We'll give it to Russ later. Uh, well, we aren't talking about airplane movies today. Well, not at least specifically some airplanes, I guess. Uh, Brian, what movie are we covering tonight? We are doing 1986's Transformers, colon, The Movie. The Movie. That's right. Uh, from 86, really deep in its heyday. Uh, starring Eric Idle, Judd Nelson, Leonard Nimoy, Robert Stack, Lionel Stander, and Orson Welles in his final film performance. Yeah. He fought, He died five days after doing the voice, the voice work. Wild, yeah. So uh, this had a five to six million dollar budget, and it grossed five point eight million dollars. So it got about what it was spent. It placed 99th in the box office that year, which was um, just behind 98. That would be Highlander. Uh, we've actually covered that on the show back mm. in the show's infancy, second year, um, and just ahead of The Hitcher, which is a movie. I've never heard of. Number one movie that year, well, we've heard about this one, Top Gun. Uh, we've actually just recently done an episode on that. IMDb gives Transformers colon the movie 7.2. With Rotten Tomatoes, the critics give it 62%, but the audience really redeems this with an 88%, pretty high. Uh, not winning any awards and not really any distinctions within the AFI. Uh, now, this is Jake's third time on the show, and this is... Uh, a real patriotic time. This is our Veterans Day episode. So we decided instead of hitting the soldier movies, the war movies, we are going to go with uh, Perpetual An War. An animated soldier war movie? Animated soldier war movie uh, <laughs> set in the distant future of 2005. Uh, and so we gave, we gave Jake carte blanche to just the, the, the rare blank check. Instead of giving us a short list, we said, what movie do you want to do? Um, and so for Veterans Day, appropriate that we did Transformers the movie. Uh, so, Jake, tell us a little bit about your upbringing with this movie. Okay, so full disclosure, Dustin gave me the opportunity to pick a movie. And uh, this is, unironically, my favorite movie. And for a lot of different reasons. It hit me when I was like six or seven. And at the time, I grew up in like a pretty, you know, conservative household where I wasn't even allowed to watch like Harry Potter and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was watching VHS recordings of... G.I. Joe, Transformers, Gilligan's Island, Andy Griffith Show. And then I was also allowed to watch war movies like The Longest Day, um, Tora, 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 The Sands mm-hmm. of Iwo Jima. And I, Dirty Dozen, you know, that's where we... Dirty Dozen, that. right? Yeah. So I loved cartoons as a kid, as every kid does, but I was also watching these war movies. And I was always disappointed in children's cartoons where... They just kind of fire laser blasters but never hit each other and Mm. nothing ever happens. And then this movie was shown (laughs) to me by my uncle. And I was born in 92. So this this movie predates me by six years. But Uh I was already consuming old media because I didn't have cable growing up. It was just what our grandparents recorded and sent to us in VHS tapes. And I loved it. I love so much (laughs) about this movie I love that it's a cult classic. I love that initially people hated it, that children were going home and crying and locking themselves in their room for two weeks. I also, it just hits a lot of my interests. Sci-fi, big robots, retro synthy wave music, hair metal music. I, I was introduced to this movie by my uncle. 
I watched it with my brothers. I was blown away. I love that there were consequences in a kid's show. Because yes. I loved, like I said, I loved all those things, but there were never any consequences, so it was hard to buy into. This movie, I it, it helped it, me buy. It sounds into like it. it was a genre shifting. It's like, oh, you I didn't have, know they could do that. You could have this. You could have it yeah. both. It's not just a you get knocked down and the fade to black credits roll. We're going to come back and fight again next week, uh, as TV shows kind of have to do, yeah. or at least uh, in in several senses. But yeah, there, there are clearly stakes attached mm-hmm. to this movie. And it's interesting to think about that as a child, you recognized what I'm watching is different. Yeah. And different is not scared to go lock yourself in a bathroom for two weeks, but mm-hmm. I really like this. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also that context that, so I don't know if I should get into this now, but you understand that the context of the movie was to sell more toys. Yes. So Hasbro's executives or producers came down to the writer and said, we're killing Cybertron. Yeah. Who the writer, what's his name? Ron Friedman, I think is the the, the writer of the screenplay and of the TV show. Mm -hmm. He had designed these characters to be like Optimus Prime was supposed to be a father figure. It was supposed to fill that role for children. And then the Cybertron. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, very clearly when it comes to like creative decisions, it's something that uh, will the person who is in the realm of know your audience uh-huh. is now being given a directive, uh-huh. and who and will know just how explosive that's going to be. Yeah, and I think this is very rarely do executives or producers ever lend anything useful to the the the, the story, the quality of story that's getting produced. But I think this is. One of the very few examples where a producer's decision or instruction kind of made it better for once. Catapulted it into something that was maybe not foreseen. Yeah. Uh, Brian, did you have anything similar to what we just heard from Jake as far as your early experience with this or your introduction to this movie? What did you think? What did you think when I when it was suggested to you? I thought good. My, my my initial thing was good. I was like, yes, Transformers movie. Absolutely. Had you had you heard of this movie at all? Oh yeah, uh, no, okay. no, I've hundred percent seen this before. Uh, but it was years and years ago, and and the critical eye that I turn on movies now for podcast uh-huh. is not always kind to films that have some shenaniganry. Oh, yeah. Attached. Sure. And this is a, this is, there's some BS to this movie. And, and I was just, I was watching it and it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I'm the dude with a club, like, ah, why is this happening? <laughs> uh-huh. And rewatching it, I was like, okay, there's some stuff that absolutely needed to happen. It needed to happen in the show, it needed to happen deep, you know, earlier in the, in the series because why wouldn't you kill someone? <laughs> Like uh-huh. immediately, yeah. Like mm-hmm. prime, be shot in the face in like episode two yep. of the show, and so you know, do you want to immediately? No, but he's like the martyr of the series. Yeah, I feel like uh, even with the the cartoon, obviously they're not looking to kill any main characters, so you got to take that out. Like even through the history of Transformers, losing characters is just not something done. 
uh, now you take this movie and you're like, okay, you're willing to do that. Now I remember being like, all right, that's awesome. You're willing to do this. Let's really, you know, take something from that. And, and that's an awesome thing. So I was, I was like, kudos, but then there's, there's this ragtag. Let's desperately cling to this. The right things have to trickle down and happen in the right way. And there's got to be an all powerful amulet of protection that, that is the only hope for the Autobots. You know, we have star Wars where it's constantly the little guy versus the big guy. And I think my biggest problem with transformers as a, a whole thing is here you have the Autobots and they're supposed to be the good guys and they're fighting against the bad guys and the bad guys are clearly the bad guys, but you choose what you imprint on to transform. Really? You're going to go with minivan champ. Oh, you're going to be a <laughs> bug. This guy is a fire plane. This guy is a tank. Like outside of Megatron, who we can all admit that transforming into a gun, into a star gun. <laughs> To, to start, yeah, like, I guess there's a little comeuppance there, but by <laughs> and large, like, the Autobots are trash, and I'm just, like, the whole time I'm sitting there, like, I can't you all be, like, an Osprey or something, like, maybe a support vehicle for the military that's a little bit cooler than yeah, a Yeah, could we VW have one guy transform bug? into the General Lee? <laughs> I just, I just, like, it... Well, Springer... What, the green Autobot transforms into a helicopter and a car. It's it's cool. I I I feel like there's a lot of uh, of I'm sure there's a psychological term for this, but like I if I were a psychologist sitting down with the Autobots, I'd be like, guys, don't pigeonhole yourselves. You well, guys yeah. are you guys are you guys are putting yourself in a matrix, and and. You can be whatever you want. All you have to do is scan, go. And and I, I know that that maybe it's whatever you landed next to in the first place, but visit an army base, be an F-22, <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Well, Brian. It's defeatist. You, you, I, I encourage you to go back and listen to the theme song. They are Robots in Disguise. <laughs> okay. Part of it is a disguise. Minivan, not drawing a whole lot of attention. That's true. Kind of proved the point, right? Tape cassette player. Yeah, a tape okay, cassette okay. player. That makes uh, sense. That, that's fair. But if you're going to be persistently, every Saturday at 11 o'clock, attacked by the evil forces of the Decepticons, maybe discretion isn't the better point of valor here, and you need a big gun. There's something that stood out to me in this movie, and I'll get to my 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 expectations here. Is I had never seen this before, uh, but I I felt like I had, considering how much Jake has talked to me about it, <laughs> and I I like knowing that this this movie tie into a TV show based on toys that existed, but it was something that I was going to be content having never watched. Uh, but we had our chance to watch it, and I had my chance to put any attention towards Transformers at all. And that's the interesting thing. All of our Michael Bay Transformers movies, I think starting in 2007, and all of our new ones, completely uninteresting to me. I don't want to watch them. 
Yeah. I, I understand the scale of them. I understand the forever giant fighting robots have been cool to me. Mm-hmm. Michael right? Bay explosions, explosions, and there are other things like uh, other TV shows like Gundam Wing, or we talk about uh, you know Mech Assault or Mech Warrior or some of the Bandai stuff. Uh, we talk about Pacific Rim with Guillermo del Toro, like yes. fighting robots. Sign me up every single time. But Transformers was not a show that was a part of my childhood, really. And the when I took a step back, I thought to myself, as a toy, for me as a boy, Legos were number one. But a a a, a car or an Apache helicopter or a, a tank, tank or a train, a Japanese bullet train that changed into a a robot, and you can still see like the paint of what it was before. I gotta say, the semi truck of Optimus Prime never stood out like as cool. What about the RV? <laughs> <laughs> right, the, R- the RV wasn't great. Yeah, the Winnebago, the the uh, the Sprinter van. I don't know. Uh, some of this stuff just wasn't really as far as showing it on a TV show. What wasn't that exciting? But anything that transforms is good. Uh, even today, I'm like, oh, that that's kind of fun. I'd love to have a little transformer on my desk, something that I can just fiddle around with. So the toy aspect of it makes a lot of sense. Then you look at the TV show, and as part of their combat within with one another, the Autobots and the Decepticons, they it's almost like the the killing blow, not the killing blow, the like, like the powerful move is all right. I've got him on his back foot. Now I'm going to transform back into a car and run him over. <laughs> that is shown to us a lot, and. They got to make sense of it somehow. Uh, but as, as far as coming into this, I didn't grow up with this show. Um, and I do know that it fits in between the second and third seasons. But coming into this, I, I really didn't know what to expect except for the uh, the sort of giant, unbeatable type of entity. Sure. Which is something that's presented in a lot of movies. From your time as a kid to now, you said it is your favorite movie. Yeah. Has anything changed with your experience of this? Uh, if anything, just being the natural contrarian I am, the more and more obscure this movie becomes, mm-hmm. the more and more I kind of love that I love it and get to tell people about it. Um, I have to say that sentiment is something that I think Brian will really sort of connect with yeah. is that there are certain things that are good and there are certain things that are campy and fine and you like and then brian i think your turn would be like and then there are certain things that are mine yeah right yes yes 100 percent. and this would totally fall into this that is category. mine for sure yeah and uh, i get great. defensive about <laughs> it too I'm oh like, don't attack it, it, don't attack the lore of transforms come on they're they're tra- they're alien robots that transformed into things don't, don't look into it too deep don't look into it too deep <laughs> no i but i, I, I valid completely criticisms. agree i i completely agree and, and i feel like that's that's where the conflict in me comes from because i do love transformers uh mm-hmm. like i was a big I, I I even like Beast Machines, like I your Beast Wars, like I I followed Transformers for a really long time, and this movie never like the Galvatron. All of that was great, but the when when you're a kid and you're rooting for the good guys, because I feel like recently 
there's been a bigger push where kids root for bad guys. Like my daughter constantly asks me, who's the bad guy? Like, hmm. hmm. but, but I mean, growing up, it was good guys versus bad guys. Like I was always good guys, you know, that was GI Joe, whatever. Uh, Thundercats, you know, Silverhawks, good guys. So, uh, it just got to the point where I'm like, okay, why are the good guys <laughs> made lamer by their choices? Like, yeah. Like why? Like, all right, you can still be the good guy and carry a large stick. Like, this is nuts. You're making bad choices. <laughs> like, like you want to talk about the matrix of leadership, the matrix of, le- matrix of leadership is telling you, Hey, instead of, being an Aston Martin, you should be a Black Hawk helicopter. Stop it! Hey, you're you're in an in a war, an intergalactic war with your arch rivals over your home planet, and For you're centuries. trying to protect these people. How are oh. ha, Bumblebee? How are you going to protect your people and humans? I'm going to be a Mustang. <laughs> no, Bumblebee. At the end of the day, they Stop all it. transform into humanoids with laser guns. So it's like, I think that's primarily the combat role that they assume. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> guess and then another thing we and like I said, robots in disguise is is that at <laughs> no, the no, end I, of I, the long day, it's supposed to be until the day that we are all one yeah. and unified. I think that before we've even hit our ad break, we've started really jumping into <laughs> the the breaking down the lore and the purpose of this. And I want to give us a little tease before we come back, which is I think when it comes to this movie, what it shows you is that I, I, I treated this movie as five episodes of a TV show in a row. And what this movie can do for you is show you that for the characters you know, or maybe you don't know so well, uh, that you definitely do want to see them longer than 23 minutes with ad breaks. Like you want to see them for a long amount of time and get through a larger story, Uh, you know, more than just one TV episode. Uh, But I am going to say that upon my first watch of this, which was just last night, the energy I'm coming in with this episode, I don't like this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And I need to be convinced of its merits. And we're going to do that after the break. See you on the other side. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening. And we are back. And this is the time that we are going to give more information about this movie, more so than we already have. It's time for Brian to give us a plot summary. Uh, take it away. Okay, the Autobots need Energon to retake their home planet of Cybertron from the clutches of the evil Decepticons. 
they dispatch a ship to their base on Earth to retrieve more. However, their plans are overheard and the ship is intercepted. Using the ship as a Trojan horse, the Decepticons fly to Earth and sneak attack the Autobot base, causing heavy damage. The Autobots are able to get a message out to Optimus Prime, leader of the Autobots, who arrives to turn the tide. He is mortally wounded by Megatron and passes the Matrix of Leadership to Ultra Magnus. The Matrix is supposed to be so powerful in the right hands that a world-consuming ultimate Transformer known as Unicron will stop at nothing to have it destroyed. After some very typical Starscream shenanigans, for those who, you, who have watched Transformers, a still-functional Megatron is tossed out an airlock with some damaged compatriots and scooped up by Unicron and empowered as slaves to find the Matrix and destroy it. Megatron kills Starscream, the seriously needed to happen years ago, and focused the Decepticon power toward the Autobots' remnant, and specifically Ultra Magnus, the new wielder of the Matrix. The Autobots flee to a garbage planet filled with dangers, having taken many casualties, and after Ultra Magnus falls, the Matrix is then taken by Megatron, who is finally defeated by Rodimus, who takes the Matrix and saves the day in a very clipped ending. Things escalate pretty quickly, is yeah. maybe the, the simplest way of putting this. Uh, I, I, I feel like there was a fast-forward button hit after the universal greeting the second time. Wow, wheat grana, wheat minibot? And he knows yeah, it dude, off the I, top they, of his They head. hit a button. After, the second time they use it and, it and it's success, there is like five minutes of, and we win. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah, there there are a lot of cuts. There are almost cuts in it like there were supposed to be commercials at one point. And there's a lot of time jumps. But it's action, 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 action. The whole 90 minutes. Yes. It does not let up. And it could use a little bit more maybe exposition, explain why they're, you know, shaped like a minivan or whatever. <laughs> and but and like let things develop a little bit more. But yeah, the whole straight action. The the other takeaway I took from this was man, Thor Ragnarok just raked this movie for ideas. Well, and this is also a Marvel product. A t- a time for sure. It- Oh, well, it's I Hasbro first, but it was they a Hasbro's did get, product. But Marvel did the strips. It was uh, it was mm. the toys, the TV show, and then the comic book tie-ins. Yeah. And I think the comic book tie-ins happen in either the end of Generation One or Generation Two. But essentially, the world couldn't get enough of these things. And I think I generally agree. Let's think about our cast here. We've got. A whole lot of robots in disguise. We've got our good guys and we've got our bad guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake, do you think you need to understand the civil war between the Autobots and the Decepticons? Or is it just good enough for our audiences, for our kid audiences of the 80s and their parents that took them to go see it, that these guys are always at war and we're going to have some battles, some episodic style, like crash land on the junk planet, mm-hmm. deal with a robo-squid or a robo-nautilus, whatever it is, the robo-sharks. All of this stuff, it just seems like I don't have to really know or understand. I just am given the two sides and sure. we're here to watch them fight. 
they make it pretty, you know, clear. All the bad guys have red eyes. All the good guys have blue eyes. Right? Didn't even notice. Uh, there's there's stuff like that. Um, it does help to know the context. It makes the deaths and all of this like way more impactful. Do you have to? No. It do- definitely does mean f- more. Like I said, this movie was a vehicle to sell more toys. Yes. And you have they're they're making the movie for people who already own those toys who have watched the first two seasons in 84 and 85 fell in love with the characters were excited about the movie and then were terrorized by this movie <laughs> but it 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 was designed for people who are already watching the show yeah. so maybe there is maybe more of a disconnect that I don't get because I had already been watching the show before I saw the movie yeah but it's definitely designed like I said it is hard to kind of view it from a lens of not knowing who these guys are mm-hmm. once you already know. Yeah, I think Transformers, are it's so big, um, and this is a number I'm pulling from a website I read yesterday, but as of 2011, this franchise has made $25 billion since 1982. Mm-hmm. That is, it makes it like the number 11 or the number 12 highest grossing media franchises in history and so i think i've said it before with with uh darth vader darth vader is bigger than the star wars movies uh, and especially bigger than uh a new hope uh which is that it's likely that if you've never seen a star wars movie you at least know who darth vader is you can say the same thing about yoda or something like that sure but the idea is this this was so huge uh Brian, in that same realm, uh, we come in and the bad guys have already won. That seemed a little uh, surprising to me for the backdrop of this movie is that, yes, Cybertron is Decepticon ruled. Uh, Did that change your your atmosphere for this movie? Did it seem like things were bad or did it just seem like this is the backdrop for another episode? I think one of the most broken things about transformers is that they can't put themselves together and i think that the way i said that is poignant toward the whole transformers piece um they've done different things with every different series every you know the movie just rolls in and says we're going to do the movie and we're going to do it this way i like there's no continuity whatsoever to any of the in fact, it's 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 also interesting that it finished behind Highlander, which is another series that can't put itself together quite right. So, um, no, it wasn't surprising that they chose to do this this you know swing. In fact, I played a couple of the Transformers video games where the Decepticons always had the Cybertron. So. Oh, okay. Like not like none of that was super surprising to me. It just you know it. This this David and Goliath thing is almost too much at times. Like sometimes there is just a civil war and a fair fight. I and, love that. And and it's it's weird to me that that especially in this film, like do you notice how Decepticons don't miss just free sale killing Autobots like it's their job? Yeah. They're 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 assailing a fortress that once you know they, they get spotted ahead of time it's they didn't get the sneak attack they're sailing this fortress and this fortress has got 
just just batteries of guns and stuff. And they're like, ah, we're all fine. We're off up like it is killing all these Autobots. And I'm just like, okay, you're taking me out of this because I'm like, this is crap. Hot Rod does notice right away. Right away. Yeah. Yeah. Those are Decepticons. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. Okay, all these Decepticons have already gone back to Cybertron. They're running Cybertron. They're still BA fighter planes and crap. And here you have the Autobots. They're just like, oh, I am cursed. To walk the universe as a <laughs> Astro <train>. minivan. <laughs> Stop it! Okay. It's wrong. Oh, it's wrong. Hold up. Oh my god. I'm such just, a homer for this movie, though. Listen, I we just, gotta I, we gotta move past the problems with the lore. I understand <laughs> that the scale is messed up sometimes too. Unicron's the size of a planet. Sometimes he's the size of a moon. It, it's like. There are things that change. It's animated by like a thousand different people over the course of a year. They got a picture of it, right? There's also like, it feels like, what is this, a war between five dudes sometimes? It's just like five guys versus five guys. That's going to happen. It's a burger joint war. I want y'all to look past the shortcomings (laughs) of this movie, its time frame, and maybe some continuity errors. But they're trying to keep kids in seats and sell more toys. It's be- it has some of the most beautiful like cells. Some of the animation, like I love to this day. That big, the Autobot City transforming into a garrison, just fu- like covered with guns, takes me back to the day where I would turn a stool upside down. And pretending it was an anti-aircraft gun on the side of an aircraft carrier. Yes. Like, and yet I all of the defenders, that. the actual sentient people, like the base can turn into whatever it wants to. Absolute bastion. Stop and it, And I'm Ryan. a car. Stop it. And I'm a car. And I'm a car. I'm a car. Yeah, I'm He's a, a robot in disguise. <laughs> now, the, here's... I'm, I'm Wait, you're not disguising to, your base? Your base is a sort freaking... Of playground thinking, which is... I'm going to ask this question to Jake, and I'm asking this to Ernest. Yes. Who's cooler, Autobots or Decepticons? Decepticons. I Decepticons. agree, right. Yeah, so, so we, we, we briefly mentioned that, uh, like, oh, you kind of root for the good guys, but the Decepticons are cooler. You root for the Autobots because they get massacred. And they do. <laughs> and violently. This, it, this maybe doesn't come across uh, because we're adults and we're going back to watch this movie. But there are Autobots being melted in yes. vats of acid. Yeah. Where it's almost like their skin is falling off. They're screaming in agony. Billowing. Yes. It's the, the inside of Unicron is supposed to represent Dante's Inferno with oh. different layers of hell. There's actually so much symbolism in this movie that I could get into. I don't know if now's the right time to do it, but I could go off. Well, There's the such of, great stuff. Inside of Unicron is, and I would say... And as a trip, I wasn't looking to get like the feelings or the emotions as if I was a child. Yeah. I was looking at this movie this time to be like, how do I, how do I give this a critical analysis, but also use the good parts of nostalgia to be like, this is cool. And some of its music, some yeah. of its animation, yeah. um, the Unicron transformation the music, the, the, at the end. Yeah. Incredible. But let's, I would say that the inside of Unicron, when you've got the, the kind of, it's not a conveyor belt, you've got the, the, the hanging, the claw game yeah. that's going along the track, that was actually scary. Yeah. Because you have 
These are, are I imagine, these aren't just Autobots. These are other, like, robot citizens in the world just being melted down. Mm-hmm. That was a smart decision to show, like, this This is for real. Yeah. And let's talk about the for real. Ryan, Unicron, uh, how, when you introduce a planet-eating, I mean, larger-than-a-planet-sized thing, and we, scale is a little weird in this yeah. movie, but yeah. doesn't that give you something that's like, Wow, the stakes of this is way more than any TV show could ever give sure and 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 I actually don't have any umbrage against like the the unicron character as a i'm you know i I am the big bad mm-hmm. like the problem with megatron was and really the decepticons as a whole is faulty leadership, like you look at the top of the Decepticon leadership and, and say, man, I'm rooting for the good guys, but if I shoot you in the head and I shoot him in the head, I could do a way better job at like, I would have ruled the galaxy by now. Like seriously, Megatron and Starscream are two of the most inept leaders in the history of evil leadership. Is that why like, it's fun for us to like have them be the leaders of the objectively cooler side is that th- they have idiots running it, and that's why this civil war it has like didn't it's the only reason it keeps yeah. going, yeah, hands down it's the only reason like this wouldn't even be a fair fight and and the thing is like you know they they keep it real in terms of numbers, so like you've got like seven or eight decepticons in any given time fighting seven or eight Autobots. Like there, it's not like this onslaught of numbers where you've got like 450 Decepticons against 20 Autobots. You the get problem is they're, they're fighting in the backdrop of a city or a planet. So it's like 10 guys fighting over Cybertron. And you're like, well, this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. You know uh, what well, I'm saying? One of, my, what, one of my favorite nonsensical parts of this movie is where f- I think it was five. It might've been six. Six Decepticons board that craft leaving for Earth. Yeah. yeah. And just murder everybody immediately. Oh, no, no. no. And, 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 then, and then they get spotted. Uh-huh. They shoot it down. And five to six Decepticons descend. The base closes up on itself and goes into defense mode. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden there's 45 Decepticons. Yeah. Like literally, just exponentially more. Just, just they just spawn out of nowhere, and you're sitting there like, "It's a vibe." Uh, it's not... a vibe. Well, Maybe so, this movie I, I doesn't just... stand up well to critical review. <laughs> it's okay, but but here's the thing: like, to I, get I, more I know I've like, tossed a lot of shade on this, but I mean, there's still the piece where you watch, you you still want the good overcoming evil, unless you're Chad. Then you have Optimus Prime dying immediately. You're like, well. God, they're done. And 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 let's be honest, Ultra Magnus does nothing. Yeah. Like at all. Ultra Magnus does and, nothing. Well, he also and, doesn't receive the Praetorian touch or Petarian. So every Pope has been touched by somebody. Yeah. St. Peter touched the first Pope. The next that Pope touched the next one. When the matrix of leadership falls out of uh Optimus Prime's hands. It's Hot Rod that picks it up first. Right. 
Right. And it's supposed to be the symbol of that. So it's like, yeah, Magnus Prime is not that guy. He's a soldier. You're right. Ultimately, yeah, but he does really, nothing. He wasn't like, even guy. as a normie, even as a normie, he did nothing. Like, I, I did feel as guys, if, the, it, especially in this movie. These guys are cannon fodder. <laughs> you, you have a lot, a lot more shots of the Decepticons getting good hits on our Autobots. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot more. Uh, it does seem as if they're always a little more prepared or they've got the edge. And that is probably the case throughout the television show as well, which is that if you're going to have either of these two sides that are the attackers, yeah. it's going to be the Decepticons all the time. Um, we are set up in the beginning of this movie with there's a plan to get uh, from either of these two moon bases, from Optimus Prime and the rest of the Autobots, to get enough Energon mm-hmm. to go to be able to fuel slash fund this sort of counterattack which is what these two factions love to do more than anything is just fight each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Specifically right. over Energon. Over Energon, which yeah. they mined their planet to near depletion. Sure. Which is why they had to leave anyway. But I guess there was a question that kind of came up out of nowhere for me is, are there Autobot and Decepticon just citizens? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, like, you have the people uh, running like in every direction as Omicron is eating planets. Yeah, and so it makes me think that there are <laughs> restaurateurs Listen, had, and bakers. This is a budget thing. So initially when they eat that planet, um, the that like all the peace-loving scientist robots are on, they eat in the first scene, right? Yeah, they there's have a tons, lot of science liquid. There's Yes, exactly. But there's tons of robots everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, they clearly had the budget and took the time to set up this context. Other times they don't. That's why you have moments where it just seems like it's five guys versus five guys where the scale is off because they, they had like $6 million budget, but they only had a year to, to animate all this. And it takes a long time to animate this stuff for the TV show. Just 23 minutes. Sure. I think the average like family guy episode takes a year and a half to animate. Right. And that's with modern practices. And that's a, Arguably a much simpler animation than what went into the uh, the Transformers movie. Granted, higher frames probably in Family Guy, but the level of detail in the Transformers movies much more crazy. Yeah, some of the some of those back set pieces are amazing, in my opinion. The animation where you have the transmutation from Megatron into Galvatron mm-hmm. with the sweeps and his other minions. I love that moment. Cyclonus. Yeah, Cyclonus, yeah. And then you have, yeah, the Autobot City transforming into defense mode with guns all over the place. You have the uh, inside of Unicron. Unicron at the very end. You brought it up at the very beginning. Yeah, the junk planet. The junk planet was great, yes. Uh, There's some things about this that I'm not being ironic when I say there's some gorgeous stuff here, especially if you have love for like early animation. Mm-hmm. Or if you just you if you are sort any, of actively looking for something to say this is very good, yeah, that it is. Did anything ever remind you of Akira in the animation at all? Uh, yes, actually. Yeah, um, it's funny you took the words right out of my like memory bank. I knew the 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 Unicron transformation felt as detailed and as smooth and fluid mm-hmm. as the Tetsuo, yeah, gi- gigantic sort of um, ballooning up. Yeah. It, felt, it felt all very detailed and controlled, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty cool. Um, 
Yeah. But yeah, but so one's all one's all angles and the other's all all mush. Yeah, and yeah. chaos. Uh, so we do have we have our st- constant state of conflict between Autobots and Decepticons, and that's a given. If you have to go into this movie with any assumption, it's that oh, these guys don't like each other; they're at war. Uh, there are good guys and there are bad guys. Uh, but I think the the TV show would have been centered around like every episode would have had one or two of either faction that like they focused on. Oh, this is going to be a sound wave story. This episode, mm-hmm. and it, this episode is going to be an RC story, mm-hmm. um, and something that matters to her. Yeah. Uh, or this is going to be a Witwicky episode where it's something that matters to the humans. Yeah. And so I want to kind of bring it back down to sort of playground level again, which is. Does anybody care about the the humans here, or we 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 really no, care? No, not really. We really care about our our robots. Like, yeah. If I'm if I'm you know eight year old Dustin, it's calling who who's dibs on being Blitzwing, or no, I I I'm dibs on being uh, Bumblebee. Not oh, I want to be the the guy in an exosuit. Yeah, no, yeah. That's not the appeal here. Uh, so there there is a lot of. I guess we'll say, like, rule of cool, we like these guys doing the things that they are called. Like, we like them transforming. Sure. We like them battling with lasers. Uh, but then we have this, um, even though it's a, a constant state of big conflict, I almost, the, the most meaningful relationship in this movie, I think, has to be between Megatron and Optimus Prime. Because and the reason I say that because we only have it for like twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and it's because I'm not really sure about the other relationships between any other characters. Yeah, and I mean, so you talked about RC Hot Rod; those characters are brand new. To like, okay. that's the first time they show up. I, I believe that whole crew of RC Springer, the green Cup. helicopter Cup Hot Rod. Maybe even Ultra Magnus. I may be wrong about that, though. Hmm. I think this is their first appearance. I know it is for RC and Hot Rod. Okay. Um, and that's just, like I said, them introducing new toys. Yeah. Well, I bring up the relationship, and I bring up the different characters, because, Brian, uh, were, were there any of the other supporting cast? I don't. Th- I think there may have been too many for any of them to get enough time to begin to matter to us. I feel like they brought in a few fan favorites as basic pandering um, in terms of the Dinobots and the um, Constructicons. Yeah. Like, there was stuff like that. It's the, the token, like, well, we can't leave these guys out. Everybody liked them when we brought them in, so they have to be a part of this. And you notice how no one touches that. Like, it's not like Grimlock and a couple others get knocked off. No, it's, you know, Ironhide gets shot without a second thought, but the pterodactyl's fine. I think Ironhide is, by definition, the most resilient Autobot in the history of Autobots, and he gets just shot in the head point. Yeah, he gets one line shot. (laughs) Just done. Just done. Grimlock, not Bozo. Tell us about Grimlock, uh, (laughs) Brian. Um, I, 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 I feel like this is another one of the things that's a tough pill to swallow from this movie because, dude, the Dinobots are awesome. Everybody wants to see the Dinobots succeed. Uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, don't they 
form a giant Constructicon-ish thing too? There are later iterations of many other Constructicons. I know this because I read it, not because I watched it. Uh, but the but uh, I thought the Dinobots also did a that like, seems when very Constructicons were first Rangers introduced. The Dinobots were as the the antithesis of them, and they also did a Mega Robot. Am I wrong on that? That it sounds like Mega Zord to me. <laughs> That's what it seems like. Well, either way, either way, it's just one of those things where as a part of this film and how the Dinobots are used as a clearly untouchable piece of the Autobots unsuperiority, it's like we're going to wholesale massacre everybody that you watched in the TV show. We're going to introduce a few new people few of which end up being more important than others. Dinobots are still golden. Um, I, I just, it, it, it took, it took me out of it a bit because you're, you're just left thinking what? Well, I, I think it's nice to know that our favorites are going to make it, but that doesn't mean they're going to be. Victorious. Unless you're like Ironhide. I think, well, <laughs> I don't know if Ironhide's anybody's favorite. I, I, I think the thing is, um, they they get the Devastator kind of handles the Dinobots pretty well in the attack on Autobot City, but uh, we're still in that realm of they fight, they fall down, and they get back up for next episode, and then we get and I want to talk to Jake about this specifically about Optimus Prime gets shanked in the gut, yep. he gets shot deceptively, mm-hmm. uh, and he's shanked twice. He said it. And he gets he gets shanked twice, and the wound is enough to kill him. It's not even like a um, it's not even some kind of massive heroic battle that might be shown in a, in a Michael Bay movie. It's sort of like lingering injury. This is something that was very much different compared to the other stuff that you had seen as a kid, Jake. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that we're in the proper body of our of our show, the death of Optimus Prime. Was this something that was huge to you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you knew something was up right off the bat when a planet gets eaten and you see, like, the genocide of a species. Yeah. And then you immediately see Megatron and Starscream eradicate, like, four main characters in in the first ten minutes. And then it's like he gets stabbed twice. He gets the shrapnel and then, like, the electrosword. Then he gets shot. We need more Electro Sword. In yes, this absolutely. Again, again, <laughs> Megatron, giant arm cannon, Electro Sword, Optimus Prime, Piddly Blaster. Like who? What? Okay, you have to understand. His semi truck is filled with armaments, Brian. Okay, he might have a tactical nuke back there for all we know. He this doesn't feel Cybertron. like he use it. Like he, he runs over a whole lot of Decepticons. He does. Which is, that's why I was calling it kind of like the kill shot is uh, punching and shooting isn't the way you defeat so, the enemy. It's by running so over he, with your car. All I heard was he GTAs really well, but when it comes <laughs> down to actual combat, uh, you brought a laser pistol to a laser sword. But I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> like, it just, I, I like. He gets murked. Megatron's like. Yeah, I know my, my, my transformation sucks. That's why 
I've got a lightsaber. And you're like, no, wait, that's a dip. What? That's another Frank. This isn't even Gundam Wing. Stop it. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I, I really liked his, his lightsaber, though. Um, What's funny is Springer pulls out a metal sword later. This <laughs> is more evidence of the Autobots kind of being well, sucky when it comes to combat. They also have that well, big cannon that, that they, they have load to load a football into. That yeah. they load and load a football into. And, oh, finally, we get to use this awesome gun that took five of us to move into position. And it doesn't hurt anybody. Nope. Nope. It's a cluster bomb of Nerf balls. Like, yeah. Yes. Um, it, I, it, I can't tell you how infuriating it is to watch a movie. It, it, it's like playing a video game where it's like, just so you know, it doesn't matter how much you level up your characters. Uh, the enemy is so overwhelmingly powerful because that's how we've decided to make them that there, there's just no winning this. And, and that's how this movie portrayed itself. It's, but the- <laughs> it's, it, it doesn't matter. Like it, the earth base looked so freaking cool. Mm-hmm. Like the guns, turrets i was like oh these six guys on this trojan horse spaceship that's been found out they have no chance oh contraire they are completely untouchable they're shooting completely inert ammunition that does nothing like you can actually take an audience out of a movie by making it so one-sided that even as a child I feel like you could call some BS on this. Let's like talk that, about that, how they they eventually do somehow. I think this the absolute we can't call it the MacGuffin, but the the thing that saves everyone is the universal greeting. Sure, or you could say the Matrix, or the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of put the Matrix as the MacGuffin. Once they're inside using the Matrix, which nobody else could figure out how to do except for who ends up becoming Rodimus Prime, Hot Rod. Um, Well, it had to wait till all were one when the Decepticons and the Autobots teamed up against Unicron. Tell me about this team. I would have loved to see a little bit more of an actual team up. As in, you've got your cooler Decepticons working with your Autobots, Uh to fight against... It seemed as if the fight was happening within, and we know that he was was about to start munching on Cybertron, Mm -hmm. but I think this movie would have been very well served to give us just five to seven minutes of Autobots and Decepticons on screen working together, fighting in the same direction, or shooting in the same direction. Now, I did like... There's so much that got cut from this oh. movie. Uh, there's This is a movie that's just been redlined by producers and whatnot. So whether that was Ron Friedland's like original, he might have intended that. And yeah. that kind of does where it ends up where it kind of happens. Where they're like, okay, we got to get rid of the Unicron. Yeah. But they don't really build on it at that point. We were in fast forward mode at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's get to the end. Well, in order to get to where the Matrix of Leadership matters, we did have to deal with the Junkions uh-huh. and find that cool screw-taped-shaped sh- ship. Uh-huh. I, ca- I-, I called it an auger. Yeah, like that auger it certainly ship. looks like one. 
is that might be my favorite uh like set piece unique thing mm-hmm. from this movie is that ship because of how they end up driving it into Utah. yeah that's how it lands oh yeah i think yeah it's it how it lands through the eye as well right but you know the inside of unicron <laughs> is just as dangerous and scary he's got pincer tentacles inside his intestines yeah um See, that's the thing about this movie is it's it's a sum of its parts for me. You could deconstruct this movie for its continuity, it's all the all the things we've said, right? But there's so many little pieces that stand out to me that I love. The the trash planet where they only speak in commercials. I that's a high love point. that. That's a high point. Brian, got, do you uh, like it, that style? And, well, and and that's what they pull for Bumblebee in the um, mm-hmm. in the later movies. Yep. like that. That's a that's Complete a nod rip-off. to direct this. homage. And yeah. Weird Al Yankovic's dare to be stupid on the junk planet where they only speak in commercials. Right. It's this funny little like nudge nudge satire moment that kind of goes unrecognized that I find hilarious. I think it's charming. Yeah. I think it's like yeah. oh, it's this is a nod. This is yeah. great. Now, but I do want to speak about the music for a moment. The way I appreciate the music in this movie, because it it doesn't let up. It is the take it to the top and you're gonna survive. It is that for eighty minutes. Uh-huh. Does wear on me, but I think it only wears on me because of the sung lyrics. Okay. If I just had the backing track with the disco drums. And the guitar rips, I think I'm giving this movie a full another star. Yeah. I think it fits with the time and the energy. Uh-huh. But hearing the vocal tracks, some one of the vocal tracks was actually borrowed from a Stallone movie, um, Cobra, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And and hey, some of the tracks are or the touch. Is that one of the Stan Bush? Yes. So it's Vince DiCola did all the music, but a lot of it's Stan Bush, Spectre General, RNG. I you know the soundtrack. Yeah, like He's I'm, not looking at notes, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I've also been listening to it in preparation for this episode. <laughs> yeah. I love the soundtrack. I need a montage. montage. Yes. I think this is montage music. This is Danger Zone. If this was a bigger movie, I think some of these songs are household names. I think Stan Bush is a household name if this was a bigger movie. Mm. Dare, The Touch, Dare, Dare to Believe. <laughs> it's so 80s inspirational dare to believe. hair metal rock that su- it's fun. And then it's mixed with Vince DiCola's very like moody synth retro wave. Not retro at the time. It was just current at the time. But that yeah. synthy wave. Like Unicron's... Um, the Unicron song is like that's really great good. evil bad guy movie, yeah. uh, music. Everything about Unicron as an evil character I love. Getting Orson Welles five days before he dies to voice a character that kind of pimp slaps uh, Megatron, turns transmutes him into Galvatron, is eating planets. I love so much. Yeah. There's so many, every line Orson Welles has, I love. Just because it's, they actually had to do a lot of stuff. They had to speed up his voice lines by 8% and turn up the volume because he's five days from dying. Well, let, like, let, let me let me jump so, in here real quick. Yeah, sorry. I can go. Did they actually need any somebodies to do voices in this? 
you needed all, like, I mean you needed all the main characters back for sure. I'm, but but they're not like their normal voice. It's their normal voice roboticized. Leonard Nimoy, so, I could tell it was his voice. Judd Nelson, I, I was telling Jake before the record, I couldn't really recognize him. I guess I, I don't think you needed any of this to be like outside of being able to say, "Hey, we got Orson Welles to do this film." Like I, I just I didn't feel like the fact that it was this person behind the mic was necessary in a movie specifically made to disguise people's voices to sound like robots. I think it's more important to have, and the name I have up here, Frank Welker, who does many of the main characters, he's more important as his voice. Uh, you, you think of the guy who does Geralt of Rivia's voice, or you think of the guy who does Master Chief's voice. I don't need a famous actor to be that. I need the voice to be, to fit. Sure, And sure. I think our Transformers, most of them have voices that really, really fit. Um, I saw, uh, for RC, uh, we have the voice uh, Susan Blue. I think if I looked her up, she's done nothing else of note. But that she's been RC for like five, four or five seasons of this mm-hmm. show, it's like, that's the voice. I think that that was important. I would generally say that like, you don't need to fill... Uh, popular characters with famous actors you need to fill them with better voice actors and i think we got a good mix uh, and i don't think like having leonard nimoy took anything away but yeah it is going to be digitized and it's going to sound like this is a robot nimoy well but also the i don't i totally disagree i think the gravitas that orson wells like brings to the the planet eating transformer is is so perfect the way he delivers his lines are so matter of fact your your bargaining position is highly dubious, like, and nothing. Like, there's so many lines that, like, I think he delivered great. I think he liked being in this movie, too. Is that right? He did. There's, like, one line that gets quoted. I think maybe his kids were into the, the, the show, but he kind of told somebody, he's like, yeah, I did this, this, uh, this role on this planet eating, blah, 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 blah. I don't really know if he liked it or not, though. I mean, this is also Orson Welles when he's drunkenly. Have you seen those takes? I've seen of him doing the commercials. Yeah, you know he, and it's funny. He was actually looking for work at the time. He was excited to get the role because he was so desperate for work at the time. Because mm. everybody knew he was close to dying, and everybody knew how incredibly unreliable he was because of the extent of his alcoholism. Oh yeah, which was true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I think we've we have covered with varying degrees of passion the things that we like <laughs> and maybe don't like so much about this movie. I want to keep the conversation going in our superlative section. Are you guys ready? Absolutely. Yeah, I want to say one more thing. Yeah, real sorry. quick. I I absolutely love the Transformers franchise, and I can say this without really copping to any hubris whatsoever. I could have done a better job at piecing together a coherent Transformers lineage from start to begin or from start to finish than all of the different iterations did as a whole. Are you saying the, that the uh introducing a four sided uh Justicar uh 
judge on the middle of a planet that was crash landed on, uh, Quintesson, who was the later revealed, yeah. who was later revealed to be the forerunner of all Transformers. You're saying that that didn't uh, come, shine through to you in this movie. That's I'm saying, I'm saying, movie. I'm saying that sometimes you need one person <laughs> to say, okay, start to finish. This is the timeline that we're going for. You've got to stop doing just this wrangly. Uh, maybe we should try this thing into your timeline. Like you've got a great best-selling TV show. And then you kind of drop this in the middle of it. Then you kind of continue the TV show. Then you transform the TV show a little bit into something else. And like you could make a very compelling start to finish 25 plus year compelling TV show. But instead you've got people just taking little poops. Even with this, if we're going to say it's mismanaged, it's still a twenty-five billion dollar product. Yeah, that really. Sucks. But think, but but think, think of what it could have been. Like, if you did it badly, and it was twenty-five million dollars, think of like I think there billion. could be a B in yeah, there could be a B in there. No, it already is just, the B. We are you saying oh. it, we could get we could maybe get to one hundred twenty-five billion or maybe the trillion? I yes. I mean, this is I, I, the it's good the we're same. going into superlatives. Though. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, the sentiment's the same. I, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, and I, I'd say there was stuff here that, especially, you know, we, we've fast forwarded ourselves when we were talking about the fast forwardness of this movie. Uh, I, I will say the children left the theaters with this movie saying, I didn't understand what happened, but I had so much fun. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that's, that was probably the goal. Uh, I've said it before with another movie. Uh, listeners, if you are uh, sharp-eared, you might not like me making this reference, but it was a different movie called Valentine's Day where there's a very clear goal. The goal is to put all these people in this movie and make a lot of money. Oh, and, yeah. And while this movie didn't make back, like barely made back its budget, it did set off a catalyst for um, fandom in the future and for what kind of devotion people can have to this series. Uh, but let's keep talking about it with our superlatives. Jake, who's the MVP of Transformers colon the movie? Whichever executive at Hasbro decided that they want to kill off all these characters is my MVP. Bold, personally. risky, and it, it gave some stakes to this movie that I think were sorely needed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because as, as I think, we may have said it, we may not have, but uh, in the TV show up to this point, not a single character had died. Yeah. And this is the only time I can ever think that somebody like that has had quality creative input or put a restriction that made something better, in my opinion. That's pretty big. Yeah, that's pretty big. Ryan, who's your MVP? Whoever got the green light to make the movie cover. Oh, yeah. The movie cover's great. If you go back to the movie cover, it's Optimus it's a knockoff of Star Wars. Is not on the front cover of it. Mm-hmm. It's Ultra Magnus. Ultra Magnus is who who really does nothing <laughs> in in the yeah. film. It's a misdirect. So, I think like, Ultra it, Magnus. It, it, it is it is it is one of the most Decepticon covers that you could ever have <laughs> for a movie 
about good guys because everybody that you have on the cover is relatively pointless to the film. Hmm. Outside of uh, Unicron coming down from the top. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, you have you have the people who basically live the longest <laughs> in the, the film. The good guys that live the longest are on the front cover. Yeah. But yeah, no, uh, no real... Uh, I'm sorry, there's no Megatron. You have Galvatron in the far right. You have no Optimus Prime. And you have Ultra Magnus who is a placeholder for the next prime. Did you feel something when the matrix of leadership was used by hot rod? Did you feel something when you hear Optimus prime's voice? Yes. I get goosebumps watching that scene to this day. I got goosebumps this, this time. Yeah. Even while I'm in the middle of being pretty critical. You got the touch. (laughs) Dare. And he, and he's not on the cover. He's not on the cover of the movie. Nope. I'm going to echo what Jake said. The MVP's got to be Hasbro, the company. <laughs> it's a toy company and a toy movie. And they got to create a movie that could be easily split into five episodes, which is what they did later on. Uh, they gave kids a new imagination crisis to play within. Is that, um, you know, it used to be like, well, who's playing Megatron? Who, who's playing Galvatron? Uh, the idea of providing new spheres of imagination for the children uh it, it had to be a rousing success uh lego's the master of it but uh transformers really did an incredible job so uh, i guess it pains me to say it but good job to the corporation hey <laughs> jake who's your best supporting actor uh leonard nimoy i think he did a great job voice acting galvatron um making him sound like an authoritative bad guy he, is he cool. had a great performance and yeah, and I think he is still cool, yeah. even in that subjugated state. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's your best supporting, Brian? I mean, I'll, I'll go Welser or Nimoy on this. Just from a like, it's cool to be able to say A and B were in this movie, mm-hmm. yeah. Because you know, I always talk about how in my heart of hearts. What I would love to do, if I could get an acting role, is something along the line uh, along the lines of uh, Greg Grunberg, that is a J.J. Abrams favorite. He snapped Wexley in the most recent Star Wars trilogy. He was an alias. Uh, he was in the Star Trek movie that that Abrams was part of, and it, it's like he's always like a very ancillary character. But that man gets paid by Comic-Con out the ear for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where if you're the voice of RC in this movie, that's it. You're done. You get to show up to Comic-Con that's Houston. <laughs> to I've... Comic-Con, you know. Yeah, San Diego, just, London. Yeah, whatever. Uh, San Diego is usually more big time. I'm saying like you get to do the ancillary Comic Cons and get paid a very reasonable salary for just being you the rest of your life. And that's it. That's it. Like you look at guys like Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly and you're like, dude, your show was canceled after like eight episodes. And it was a great show. Please don't take this the wrong way. 
you are set. Do you understand? You're <laughs> set for the rest of your life yeah. by by playing one iconic character in a failed TV show. You're done. So when I look at stuff like this, and I, I start looking at like the, the the lower cast ranks, I'm just like, look, most of you guys are dead now because they're like a lot of the voice acting in this were by elderly gentlemen. Uh, but you know, if you were the dude who's 18 and just did the voice of additional generic Autobot number two, uh-huh. and you show up to Comic Con and be like, I was additional generic Autobot number two in Transformers the movie. We're going to give you $32,000 a year and all you have to do is travel to these nine cities in the U.S. every year and be like, I was in Transformers the movie. Yeah, so, can't, can't, thank you, sir. Can't knock it. I got to say, uh, Frank Wel- uh, Welker, uh, who who is one of our big voices in this, um, in total has done over uh, 800 uh, film, TV, and video game credits as a voice actor. Uh, and his movies have grossed $17.4 billion, meaning that Frank Welker... Are, uh, is the third highest grossing actor of all time. Now that's wow. really saying something about Transformers in the movie. Kobe. Uh, yeah, so my best supporting is Eric Idle. I found it incredibly odd that he was first billed. It didn't make sense to me um, because he only shows up 45 minutes in the movie and he plays a character with a pseudo-personality, which is the one who just repeats the TV ads. Mm-hmm. But man, it was extremely fun. And the other junkie or the do win. it too. Yeah. I think that's so fun. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, yeah, good job, Eric Idle there. Uh, just kind of being... Um, if You would know the voice if you know his previous work, and even if you don't, he's got a distinct voice. And I kind of like that character's design too. It almost had a little uh, samurai mask flair. Sure, yeah. yeah. Guy Foxy. But yeah. Uh, hidden gem for this movie, Jake. I, I, I'm going to double down on the animation. Seeing the transitions in the movie were like are some of my favorite seeing something turn into something else seeing the like the blue the schematics of the inside of megatron before he turns into galvatron i just love that stuff i think there's something about about some of those uh i don't know if that's a hidden gem though well i if if it's something that like stands out to you the thing that made sense to me was that uh you know gravity doesn't work quite how you might expect it in this movie. Guys! <laughs> Gravity doesn't really work how you might expect it. Scale doesn't work the no. way that you might expect it. But then when I thought about it, the same issues exist with G.I. Joe and with X-Men yeah. 10 years later um, is that doing epic battles in animation with, if you have like a static camera, mm-hmm. uh, which is hard to say, is difficult to do. Um, the anime studios do a better job of sure. it. Um, but you can't knock this movie because in reality a lot of um, a lot of animation at the time couldn't handle the the sheer size of a Unicron transforming mm-hmm. on screen. You have to show all the different parts of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a cool option. Uh, what's your hidden gem, Brian? Uh, I went with uh, I'm blank on his name. Uh, Jack Angel. Jack Angel does the voice of a character called Astral Train. Yeah. Now, Astral Train is a special bullshit character that shows up just in time (laughs) to save the Decepticons. You know what we really need right now? We need a locomotive that's also, (laughs) that's also 
a spaceship. Yeah, it is. Astro train. Um, <laughs> yeah, that train lane. Um, I think I had that toy growing up. It's like all it does, all it is, is the fins go up or the okay. fins go down on the side. Like yeah. that was it. It's the worst transformer. Space train. And, uh, and and he shows up just in time to to save the Decepticons from failure. Uh, he he holds a very specific part in this film because he's the one that that gets a uh, uh, um, Megatron chucked out the uh, airlock yeah. to uh, magically come across in the fathomless reaches of space, uh, magically be uh, happed upon by uh, Unicron. Unicron. We yeah. know that Unicron sa- has perfect. He's got Omnivision because we see the TVs. <laughs> As the Autobots are pulling out the leader, the Matrix. He's got some type he's of got hidden some mental. Sort of, he's got Omnivision. Beam. Well, yeah. it's funny you bring that up because I've almost called him Omnicron a couple times. So. <laughs> you have once. I just, we just <laughs> yeah. We're going to mess these so, names up consistently. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so 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 I'm there there with that piece. But yeah, I'm I'm my hidden gem is going to be Astral Train. Astral Train. Yeah. Get us out of here. Um. <laughs> oh, it's too heavy in space. <laughs> yeah, it's too heavy in space. There's so many of that. There's moment. There's like they, sometimes they shoot their gun and it blows up a cliff. Sometimes they shoot their gun and it like bounces off like a pane of glass. There's so <laughs> much inconsistency. This is that is not what this movie's about, guys. There is, there is something to say about our Decepticons here, which is that especially among their leadership is that they are deceptive to one another, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things we know. Especially Starscream. I Absolutely. loved his uh, like when he tosses Megatron out. Is there a possible hidden depth to this that it wasn't Starscream who was looking to like essentially usurp and get rid of the dead weight? That the true brains behind it was Astro Train. Astro Train. No. 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 no we're not giving no, that. Star, no, star, okay. <laughs> star, star, star Starscream has been dreaming about checking him out on airlock for like it's a decade best. at that point. I love it. Yeah. Well. <laughs> 20 years because so this movie is a time skip of 20, 20 years, years from yeah. where the tv show in the in the future in 2005 <laughs> that's right uh my hidden gem is character death uh it's not really that hidden but what's important is that the characters that die stay dead uh i've mentioned this before is that it, it is absolutely necessary that spider-man loses uncle ben and gwen stacy and from what i read the deaths in this movie Aside from Optimus Prime, the deaths in this movie uh, stick, and that for children, that could be pretty difficult. Um, just 10 years before, Sesame Street had one of their main human actors, uh, Mr. Hooper, die in real life. And so the show had to come up with, well, where did Mr. Hooper go? And they had to explain to children that sometimes our older friends pass away mm-hmm. and in a cartoon animated show about war consistent never-ending war that the autobots and decepticons that die in this movie star starscream gets obliterated disintegrated <laughs> yeah. yes and it's like all right anyone else stepping up <laughs> no long live yeah. uh oh, it's it, it it's literally one of the most necessary deaths in cartoon history yeah. If you've ever had one of those guys where I'm like, look, if you're going to stack the deck so much in the bad guy's favor and you've got a guy as annoying, as condescending, 
and is constantly contradicting the bad guy leader of Starscream. Like, these guys are villains. <laughs> like, Starscream should have been dead a long time ago. Like, almost immediately. Like, I disagree, but bam! Episode one, Transformers, more <laughs> than meets the... Like, that's literally the lifespan Starscream should have had. Villains start to die. He's supposed to be the, like, Iago character. Yeah. He's supposed to be, that. like, the the treacherous uncle. Like, so, I said Optimus Prime was supposed to be the good father. Megatron is supposed to be the bad father. Starscream is supposed to be kind of the treacherous uncle that, like... The wicked Uncle Ernie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, shoot him in the face. <laughs> like, this is, this is one of those, like, where willing suspension of disbelief only goes so far. Where... Like, if you're the main bad and you're like, I've got this henchman who's a pain in my ass <laughs> and he's constantly, like, I know he would shoot me in the back of the head. He's my second chance. in command all yeah, the you, time. You, <laughs> but, but he's not competent. Like, and, and first off, if I'm Megatron, first off, you have to realize <laughs> that you yourself are not competent. And then you have your also equally, if not more incompetent, second in command at least have the cognizance to shoot him. Like you got <laughs> guys who like your intelligence officer is more intelligent than both of you. Like when he tosses his hat into the ring and he's like, I think I should. He's like, ah, you don't really have a personality. I was like, yeah, but he knows more than all of you. And he's got his like little clearly. Yeah. Clearly more than all of you. Like, uh, I don't know. It's just, that, that was another thing where I'm like, you shoot this guy in the face. They this remind me of Space shot. Ghost's uh, villains that don't get along with one another. Uh, we got to move on. Who are you yeah. recasting in this movie? If you have to. We're, we're not saying you would. Mm. You had to recast in this movie, Jake. Who were you replacing? I don't know. I mean, is that like with a different voice actor or just change a character? You could do either here. Especially considering that they're... Uh, that it's animated. Ryan, let's start with you. Give Jake a chance to think something. I I took real umbrage with Ironhide's death. Um I would I would just replace him with additional meaningless Autobot that gets shot because they definitely have enough of this, you know, ancillary character, unnamed whatever fighter. Um don't yeah, kill Let's Ironhide. have the police Come interceptor on, bot get shot. Yeah, like don't kill Iron. Stop that. Stop. <clears throat> yeah. And, and if he dies, he dies nobly, killing, you know, something important. Like right. don't don't just arbitrarily kill a guy with with no importance whatsoever. He allows the Dinobots to escape and get yeah. crushed. Uh, Even Ultra Magnus had a better death than Ironhide, and I'm like, stop it. <laughs> Ultra Magnus was originally intended to be drawn and quartered. I. Oh, yeah, I saw that. You saw that? And then all of the Autobots that were like left were supposed to bonsai charge the Decepticons and get mowed down. Wow. Yeah. The, the, Jesus. They cut a lot of stuff. I think I would have liked that. Um, so my Additional recast, bad ideas. <laughs> my, my recast is also a slight change. Uh, Cup, kind of the old codger that tells war stories. Um, oh, I like him. I, I mean, I, I like him okay. He has uh, actual quality that has you like remind you of what he does but instead of that like telling war stories guy i'd like him to be more of um 
uh, quote-unquote ashamed of his past, like Commando, that does not want to relive war anymore, a la Rambo. Mm. And instead of being voiced by Lionel Stander, he's voiced by Sylvester Stallone. Uh, he's like, like a Vietnam vet who doesn't want to revisit the Cybertron Wars, mm-hmm. but gets brought back in. And, you know, some Decepticon is giving him, and he's like, why are you pushing me? Why are you pushing me? And then you've got Rambo bot shows up. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. Um, the bloody aftermath I, really pushes him not, over the edge. Not only do I love that, but I'm thinking like Stephen Lang from uh, Gettysburg and Avatar. He plays the colonel in Avatar. Yeah. Uh, he plays uh, uh, Pickett in Gettysburg. Uh-huh. Like, I I hundred percent agree with you on your pick, and I understand why you went with Stallone. But I think what this movie lacks is actual personalization for your characters. We've only got a couple. It, it, it's very low. Uh, mm-hmm. We we do have Scatman Carruthers as uh, Jazz, I believe, and it's like. Listen to the, he's only on screen for 30 seconds, but doesn't he sound cool? Like, yeah. that's, that's it. That's all you get. Um, like, get, give me some, like, I guess in a movie where you're just, like, mowing down people left and right, <laughs> you're not really thinking about character development, but um, I, I think that's what it, it lacks, is you want to gravitate and, and be connected with a character because you understand their backstory and what they're yeah. coming, you know, what they're bringing to the table. And and this just like it, that that's what makes a, a character death more meaningful because you're like that guy had seen stuff man and yeah. then he you know this is how he died. Groot has characterization with no yeah. Lines. Whereas with, Hot Rod, the new Rodimus Prime, the only thing you know about him is that he catches fish uh, with his uh, fishing pole the size of a light bulb. I don't know if he has much else of a personality. No. Yeah. Listen, this is flashy paint. This got great paint. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if I had to recast or change something about him, he's not a Winnebago at the end. He turns into something else for sure. Firebird. Firebird. I mean, he starts out as a firebird. Oh yeah, he he is a firebird. Well, listen, this this isn't a character development movie. This is all about action and fun, killing off. There's not going to be a whole lot of character development going on. Yeah. It's a vibe. I want a dump. I want a dump truck uh, Autobot. There's a dump truck Decepticon that makes up part of the. Yeah, it's part of Constructicon. Oh, okay. Is it played by Nicki Minaj? Anyway, that's a miss. All right, uh, what's your best shot of the movie, Jake? (laughs) Uh, Ooh, the transmutation. Yeah, that scene. Uh, of uh, Megatron, Megatron into Galvatron. Yeah, that's cool. the one I always show people to. Mm-hmm. Um, when I've cornered them at the party well, and I'm without... telling them about my favorite movie. <laughs> Have ever. you seen yeah. Transformers? This the is movie? this is how I know I'm too drunk when I've like cornered like two guys <laughs> who don't know me and I'm explaining. I'm like blocking off the keg. Like, actually, no, it's a really good. Movie. Optimus is dead at this point. No, yeah, you forgot. Uh, okay, what's your best shot, Brian? I think I really do enjoy uh, Unicron's devouring of planets, especially yeah. when they re- when it really gets into it. Like mm-hmm. he's got a real good grip on it at that point. Um, I do think there's a little bit of continuity error on uh, the ships that get away and the ships that don't get away. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I, I look 
you know, we've kind of toyed with the idea that this was, wasn't a Marvel thing. I'll have to look into that later, but you know, I'm sitting there thinking about Galactus the whole time. And, uh, but yeah, it just, you know, that's, that's, that's like a, you wonder how many different robot or sentient robot species are out there. And one of the, the, thought-provoking things of this movie on this rewatch specifically for the podcast brought to me is so I'm to believe that all of these sentient planets have robotic sentient life. There's more so, of them out there than they are humans. I would be happy. Well, no, 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 no. My thought is humans create AI. We're just the next melting pot for another cybertron another you know robotic species once we're wiped out by the the robots that we eventually create i don't know i'm going to butcher the saying but it's like we're the sex organs for the machines Hmm. we're eventually going to create the machines that eventually take over everything yeah yeah we're 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 just the the organic fodder Mm -hmm. that is the next robot planet I'm going to go ahead and take some of my time that I would have used on Best Shot to say I'm, I'm very much, uh, I, I would be way happier with Transformers if there were no human beings in it at all. Yeah, same. Agreed. What, we don't need the Witwickies, no. Spike, Daniel. I think one of the critics said something like, you only have one meaningful human in the movie and he spends the whole movie crying, crying about yeah. his dad. Yeah. Uh, so and I, and, I and a beast, beast Wars was amazing because they literally took it before, you know, First off, it was one of the pioneering TV shows using CGI, and then they take it to a prehistoric time where they didn't have to bother with humans. Yeah, we don't need to bother with them. That show was good, too. Uh, my, yeah, but I said, I'll, I'll make it very short. My best shot was Starscream disintegrating. thought That's it was sick. One. Quite literally the best shot. Yeah, <laughs> a very good shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your best scene itself? Ooh, best scene is definitely the end. I, I like I said, I straight up do get goosebumps when I hear dun, 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 dun. you got the touch, touch, touch. And it's like the thing opens up. I just love that animation style too, this kind of cyberpunky purpley blues, greens, and it opens up and it shines out. Yeah, I love that. And then he transforms. He turns into a bigger Bad Astro Autobot. I love that. Brian, best scene. So I, I kind of toiled over this because I, I don't feel like any one grab on this is really compelling in the way that I usually look at a best scene. But I do think that in terms of Transformers, right. if you take the series as, as your focal point, not just a movie, it's got to be the, the defeat of Megatron at the cost of Optimus Prime's life. But but the yeah. the, okay. the the loss of the fact that you don't actually Megatron doesn't die. So I feel like in terms of a scene where like you you want that gladiatorial matchup between the two main characters that you've been used to and seeing forever it, it it didn't end the way that was palatable for me, but I do feel like it was absolutely iconic yeah. for the series. I'm going to burn one of my best quotes, which is that later on in the movie, uh, later on in the movie, Galvatron is talking to Hot Rod 
and there's something that I feel like this the series has, but this movie didn't have it as much. You have to know that it's meaningful. Is he says to Hot Rod, puny Autobot, you lack even Prime's courage, which means that he respects him in some way. Mm-hmm. And when your two leaders of your armies respect each other in that way, and there is a climactic. I think their first big fight in the series was the end of the season, uh, the first season. So it's something mm-hmm. where like this is supposed to have a lot of weight, and it feels like it does in this movie. My best. Let, can, can I bring up one thing? Yeah. Like, just, just, I'll, I'll make this succinct. There's an inherent problem with '80s, '90s cartoons where they put too deep an emphasis on main good guy, main bad guy. I'll use uh, X Men '95 uh, as a example, where you know Professor X and Magneto are engaged in this die hard struggle and everybody else around them by and large are fodder uh in terms of what what's you know if professor x shows up it's a trump card if magneto shows up it's a trump card like it's this big deal and and one of the things that that i've kind of touched on a couple times as we've talked about this is you know i get it optimus prime is optimus prime but you've got to give some credence to like, if you're a freedom fighter, if you're, you're trying to, you know, you're rebelling, you're trying to, to retake your planet. Like you got to have some other stalwarts. Yeah. Like you've got to have, you know, it's, it's a team effort. (laughs) And, and I get it. It's Optimus prime. Hell yeah. Optimus prime. But like, come on, man. It, like, it really makes sense let's, let's, the way that you just described it with uh, with other X-Men or the Brotherhood of Mutants being fodder is uh, why do they so often show us in the movies uh, Magneto and uh, Professor X playing chess? And what do yeah. we know about that game? So that's, that's an interesting thing about like cartoons of the time uh, is that I think this, this is a media franchise that's, that's prime, no pun intended, that is like primed for all of your characters mattering more so than just their bottled episode where you go and deal with some mystery in their past. Like that's, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I want to point out that if Optimus Prime and uh, Megatron ever sat down to a game of chess, I 100% can see who wins. I mean, there's, it's not even like a thing. Yeah. Megatron. It's opportunism against bigger picture thinking. So like that, that was what gave X-Men, Credence was the fact that you had two intellectual people fighting against each other. This, this, this is this is a guy playing checkers versus a guy playing chess. Just one turns into an eighteen wheeler and the other turns into a giant gun. Uh, that should be the pull quote for our show. Um, <laughs> the best scene for me in this movie is when they use the universal greeting to uh, <laughs> turn the Autobots' certain dismemberment at the hands of the Junkions into a dance party. It's the best scene. Not guilty. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was the Quintessian. The Quintessian. Oh, no, no. No, I know. They, I'm just saying. They like, use the, it on the, the uh, Sharkacons, and they give him the it, piece of Energon, and then it's on it, it was It was death by Magumbo. I tell you, it's just like, <laughs> not guilty. Yeah. yeah. What a strange little detail. We didn't talk about that much at all. Uh, all right. Uh now this is this is really just a character design thing for this for this episode, but best wardrobe or makeup moment for you. I mean, Unicron's designs 
sick. Is Unicron scarier as the planet eater or as the giant robot? Um, planet eater. I think. I think planet for me. Uh, I don't know because the reveal at the end was so cool to me as a kid when he turned and he's got like this the spine wings yes sticking oh, out the side cool. and he's got the horns. I, I think I actually will go with his like robot humanoid form, um, but it's close. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What's your best wardrobe or makeup scene for an animated movie, Brian? I, I I'm just gonna I'm gonna tag in on this. Um, I'm gonna go with Unicron Planet, okay? Because the 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 horns Very cool. that he's got going on remind me so much of freaking Spawn. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and and I I can't remember a more terrifying comic book reading as a kid mm-hmm. than Spawn. Like I shouldn't have read that. Like when I picked up my first issue of Spawn, that was not. I was n- not of an age where that was an appropriate thing for me to read. And dude, it was totally that, you know, the horns, you know, the third one over the top, like that, that Unicron piece was like, Oh, I've got some, uh, some deep seated issues that (laughs) (laughs) I've buried (laughs) that, that freaks me out about. I'm going to go a little lighter with this, which is to say when Galvatron is wearing the matrix of leadership around his chest, I really get like a flavor (laughs) flavor. Like he's got a chain on. Yeah. Yeah. And he looks good. It looks good. on. You're afraid of it, son. (laughs) Yeah, boy. Uh, All right. Change one thing, Jake. Get rid of wheelie. Oh no, no wheelie! Yeah, that tiny little annoying. <laughs> is he the guy talking like really quick? Yeah, the tiny. Wait, no, little that's guy. blur. No, that yeah, there's blur, uh, but it's the little tiny orange car that shows up on the on junk. Uh, no, well, it shows up on junk, but first shows up on the uh, Sharkacon planet with the Quintessence or whatever, and he guides the Dinobots to find Cup and Rod. That's right. I don't think he serves any purpose, and he just annoys me. He's just a He's little a tiny little voice. Guy. Yeah, yeah, that's all he was. Uh, what are you changing, Brian? I feel like the entire episode of spin things I would have changed. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I no, 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 listen. How about this? I, I'm I'm not trying to like toss a vat of acid on this movie sure. because I actually still love this movie. Um, I I would say that there are like two things you can change in this movie to make it a thoroughly non complete indignation film. And some of that is a little parody in terms of the fighting. Uh, two, if you're, if, if you're, you know, actually assailing something greater than you, you don't just get to have your way with it. So there's just, there, there, there's just a little bit of, quid pro quo that could have gone better in terms of combat sequences in this to make it more believable and more realistic. Even if you're going to kill main characters, you got to make it like vibe, like they're meaningful. And, and I feel like you lost a lot of meaning in characters in this film. So my change one thing, I think what it boils down to is if, if we're going to have meaningful, if we're going to have deaths, make them meaningful deaths. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. Um, for me, I think 
it's hard to change Unicron at all because his power is in his size and being able to eat. And it's actually pretty cool. Like in the first five minutes, you can hear him. It actually has like a little munching, like cereal oh, I sound. hate that. You I don't like that? I know that specific <laughs> moment where it's like, ouch. It's like very cartoon. <laughs> it's uh-huh. done such a good job to set this wonderful stage, and then it's like, exactly. What is that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the thing about uh, Unicron at that size, I'd love if if his transformation somehow like left the planet eating part, like his uh, planet eating factory self, behind to where. Unicron was a little bit more manageable to animate fighting uh, because I think he does just kind of get bored into and defeated from the inside at the end. And uh, I'd mentioned earlier, I'd love to see Autobots and Decepticons team up, even if it's just seven, eight minutes on screen, to fight against something that realistically can be fought against and not fought within. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was a missed opportunity. But the size of Unicron didn't allow it unless you adjust how that transformation happens. Okay, uh, let's finish out with our best quote. Jake. Oh, come back to me. Come back to me. Okay, he's going to think on his. Brian, what's your best quote? I've got better things to do tonight than die. Okay, there you go. Uh, For me, I was planning on being a little bit more critical throughout the show. Uh, instead, I had but a then lot of fun. Brian came in. And I said, I said I had a lot of fun talking about the things about this this movie that were pretty good. And so I had loaded up my best quotes because a lot of the lines in this movie are good. So I'm going to break the rules and give you a bunch. Uh, from Galvatron, it's a pity you Autobots die so easily or I might have a sense of satisfaction. Like, that's pretty cold. Um, then we got some early in the movie from some, it might be Ironhide, I'm not sure who it is, but when are we going to start busting Decepticops? That's fun. <laughs> That's fun. And then right afterwards, uh, your days are numbered now, Decepticreeps. This is yeah. totally the campy style. Let's uh, burn rubber. <laughs> yeah. There was a, uh, the door falls on the uh, Quintessian. Yes, and it's it like, does. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's some, and then there's one line, Galvatron is like, your coronation star scream. This is more like a bad comedy. That's and right. Then shoots him, and, and then like, just shoots nice. him. Yeah. Um, and then I guess I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you one final one, which is uh, from one of Soundwave's little tape cassette friends. Yeah. Says, "Hey, nobody calls Soundwave uncrasmatic. Yeah, <laughs> let's kick some tailgate. Like, all right, these guys are cool. First, we crack the, the <laughs> shell." Then we crack the nuts inside. That's good. See, so, there's a reason I wanted to load up the best quote session because some yeah. of this stuff is really exactly what you want. And, for, like, and Optimus Prime has some pretty cool, like laconic, like quotes. Yeah, you Autobots know? transform and let's roll out. Yeah, that's it's like cool. all for one, one for all. For, you know, <laughs> yeah. stuff like well, that. Well, I mean, I mean, look, all of these characters, like uh, Lionel from Thundercats, Optimus Prime, like. There's a reason when someone says engage, you think Star Trek, Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, like you're, you're, you're here we go, whatever we're doing yeah. are, are, are iconic pieces. Yeah. I think that's uh, it was right after nine 11 when George Bush said, let's roll. I was thinking, ah, I took that from Optimus. 
Broncos country. Let's ride. <laughs> uh, well, you gave us some quotes. Do you think it's another best one? Oh, there's plenty out there. That's cool. I mean, some of the ones I said were your bargaining position is highly dubious. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. Proceed on your way to oblivion. Yes. Yeah. All right, we hit some quotes. We did all of our superlatives. Well done, guys. We talked a lot about this movie, uh, but it is time to rate this movie and choose whether we recommend it. Um, Brian, I'd like to start with you. I give this a solid three stars. Uh, look, I, I still have the nostalgia love. Um, I, I I think it's almost a disservice to this movie to go back as a 40-year-old and tear it apart because... I mean, it's, 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 it's a vibe. It's a it's, vibe. It's a, it's eighties. It's eighties cartoon. There's some coked like, up producer. We've telling free. Yeah, man. I mean, we, we've, and I'm here for it. We, we have come a long way. We can all admit we've come a long way with film. I, I think there's a realization. I think the eighties and nineties were a, a period of upheaval where, you know, the, the status quo was being met and then they were thinking, well, maybe we could do something different. And, and now we, we are in a point of better film in general. And it, it's not fair to go back and look at something like this movie and just, you know, yes, we can point out all the things because that's what we do as a podcast, but it's, it's still transformed. That's true. What a great it's attitude. Still, yeah. But it's yeah. still Transformers. <laughs> so, I mean, like, yeah. what do you do then? So I, I, I think it's it's probably best, like, we didn't have a Gen Z person in on this because they would have just been like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Jake, I'm going to kick it so, over to you. Yeah. Uh, what do you rate Transformers? It's all on the movie. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. I don't Five think there was star any screams doubt. all the way. Yeah, there we go. I love this movie. Yeah. I will continue to recommend it to people. Please, I, Megatron, don't I kill me. continue to corner people. If you didn't get the movie, then you're just a nerd, okay? Because <laughs> it's a vibe, it's a bop, it's serving Cybertron. There it's you great. Go. I still function. <laughs> you sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I wanted to end. I wanted to be the last one on it. Uh, there was a lot enjoyable about this movie. There was a lot that was not that enjoyable <laughs> about this movie uh me and russell talked a couple weeks ago he's telling me about the soundtrack i almost wish he didn't but i would have arrived at the same conclusion it it beats you up wears you down i like that kind of music for 20 minutes Uh for 80 minutes it it knocked me down the uh sort of episodic nature of the movie the things that I'm there not, are arcs. I'm not, there's three arcs. There's some arcs here. Um, there, there's there's stuff here Axe. where I believe Transformers are a five star toy, mm-hmm. and I believe Transformers colon the movie is a one point five stars movie. But it's the Transformers the movie. I'd recommend it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's something people should watch. Um, and it really shows you how far we come. Sort of like what Brian said, but also just that like. There's still a lot of that fun. Not all nostalgia is good. 
but this counts among the good nostalgia. Do you think this is one of those movies that's like kind of like watching The Wizard of Oz with the the dark side of the dark movie? side of the movie? Like maybe this is the kind of movie that you take a tab of acid to or something. Maybe give me the Blade Runner soundtrack with this movie, and it's yeah. a three star movie. Okay. Okay. Uh, Brian, we have to pick a movie for next time. Can you help me? Yeah, let's do it. All right, well, uh, we are moving from the 80s to the 90s, and it's time to laugh. Here are three 90s comedy movies for you. Option number one, from 1991, What About Bob? The successful psychotherapist loses his mind after one of his most dependent patients, an obsessive-compulsive neurotic, tracks him down during his family vacation. Option number two, from 1993, Mrs. Doubtfire. After a bitter divorce, an actor disguises himself as a female housekeeper to spend time with his children held in custody by his former wife. And option number three from 1994. Ooh, classic. Dumb and dumber. After a woman leaves a briefcase at the airport terminal, a dumb limo driver and his dumber friend set out on a hilarious cross-country road trip to Aspen to return it. These are all great choices. Where are we going with, Brian? Oh, yeah. Samsonite. Samsonite. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to go with What About Bob? 1991. That's a, that's a solid choice for this. Uh, introduced to me very late, but I believe it's one of the few movies that uh, I own because I own it on a flash drive. It's one of my, <laughs> I, I return to it quite frequently. Uh, well, Brian, thank you. And really special thanks to our, our, our third timer. Thanks for having me, y'all. Jake Pearson. Thanks for introducing this movie because, I, like I said, I felt like I'd seen it before, but now I've got the full picture. Listen, people are going to listen to this episode and they're going to agree with me. That's <laughs> all I have to say. In the end... I will be right. No, we do thank you for your opinions, and we thank you, the lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Roundtable. We invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at movie underscore retro. Email us at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. Producing and providing this podcast is fun, but not free. We invite you to support the show at our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash retromovieroundtable. Any contribution is much appreciated and will go towards making the show better for you, the listeners. As always, thank you for listening, be good to each other, and watch more movies. Brian? Numbers do not lie. Politics, poetry, promises, these are lies. Numbers are the closest thing we get to the handwriting of God. <laughs>